Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Going for the Green Fantasy Golf Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I'm joined by Colin Drew. Coming off of, um, you know, it was a it was a cool tournament for a lot of people, I guess. Colin, I gotta be I gotta be honest. It just really like the and I watched it Saturday afternoon, and I watched Rom basically build what was an insurmountable lead with that golf course, and. Uh, I, I didn't really watch much on Saturday. It was just, it's not the time I do. I just don't enjoy the golf that was being played at Memorial. And that says more about me than it does about, uh, about the tournament. I think. I thought the tournament was awesome. And I definitely, I, I mean, you're right. There wasn't any Sunday drama. There was sort of the carnage, which certainly for like DFS sweats, there were huge moves up and down the leaderboard. So from a fantasy perspective, it definitely delivered on Sunday. From a, a watchability perspective, obviously, it never really felt like it was out of Rom's hands. And you pulled away with it, and you kind of felt like going in, that was likely going to happen, and nobody was able to mount a charge enough. The weather conditions were set up in a way where it was really up to him not to implode more than somebody else being able to make a run at it. So uh, I thought, you know, you're right about Sunday. In general, I prefer that style of golf. Like what we saw Thursday to Saturday – is ideal for me from a, a watchability from a dfs perspective low scores available for guys playing really well but plenty of big numbers out there too and i definitely prefer that field strength and that course dynamic and so hopefully some of the majors some of these wgc's coming up are able to kind of hold up to it because you know we talked about a fifth major field strength going in and i really felt like we kind of got that out of the golf course now if you would have told me on Friday after after Bryson makes that 10 that I was only going to lose like 10% this week I would have been like you're full of shit I think the reason I didn't even go look at my lineups because I knew I didn't have anything live I think I was about even on the field with uh with um Rom who ended up winning so like that was fine maybe maybe I was a little bit lighter I don't even really remember but I I I actually think being like mega overweight Furyk is why I was able to to get enough like min caches and stuff. Like I think like some some of my five or six teams must have min cash and stuff for me to not get wiped out. Oh, I think Maddie Fitzpatrick too. If oh he, the hero he played a lot of Bryson, yeah, and you yeah. know he shot what one under I think on the final Sunday when everybody was shooting like three four. No, five I think he went. I think Fitz went like four under. Mm, okay, so I mean Patrick Reed went went big time low, but. uh yeah, Fitzpatrick ended up finishing third. So he was pretty low owned. Ryan Palmer, who finished second, was virtually unowned. Uh, so I think having Fitzpatrick on non-ROM lineups was a big differentiator. It, it's yeah. weird, though. I mean, we've seen it like four out of five weeks where you basically get a guy in the 9,000s who's underpriced, objectively a really good play, ends up going off at like 30% ownership or higher in some tournaments, especially higher stake stuff, and ends up like hitting the ceiling and binking the event and that's what we saw with rom i mean was a great play on paper i kind of like i called it it was like we've been playing rom at higher prices lower ownership and it drops and his price drops ownership picks up naturally and then he, he binks and, and it's what happened with morikawa and so what happened with Webb. so we're kind of dj to an extent too and definitely seen a lot of that since the covid restart 
Well, we're not going to have to worry about that this week because uh, there are not a ton of – there's just not really not a ton of very good golfers for us to talk about this week. This is a – this is like two steps above a Corn Ferry event, basically. Like this this will be the weakest field that we see after the restart. It's got to be. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels like a, a swing season with like two random golfers added to the mix, right? I mean – yeah basically a swing season event though and I think it is just the scheduling uh, a lot of golfers played golf coming out of the restart trying to get their feet under them obviously they want to collect paychecks things like that and get back in a groove and then you had a strong kind of lineup of courses after that culminating last week in the memorial so it's a natural week where players can take a week off kind of gather themselves rest up a little bit before some of these big tournaments WGC uh, PGA Championship coming up so I think that's kind of the dynamics you're seeing and then obviously these other guys in the field need to grind and so some of these guys it'll be the first chance they get or maybe they've only been able to play a tournament or two so we uh we are discussing the 3m open basically this is a this is a glorified muni uh it's it's not going to play as easy as Detroit hashtag the the rocket mortgage classic it'll be you know it's not going to be quite that wide open but it's going to play pretty easy. You know, I would expect the winning score to be, you know, somewhere between minus 18 and like minus 23 or 24, something like that. I would expect the cut probably is going to be minus two, minus three, something like that. Yeah. It's funny. I was remembering back to the first time they played this course was last year and there's a lot of water on the course and it was a course that nobody knew much about. If you actually look at the measurables, as far as the stats on the course, it's, fairly long in terms of par adjusted distance and the fairway widths are fairly narrow at the midpoints and so I think like myself a lot of people last year were talking ourselves into the fact that this could be like a, a tough course where 10 under wins and that obviously did not come to fruition last year Matthew Wolf with that dramatic <sighs> victory put in the nail in your coffin uh beating Tyson. it's probably the longest putt he's ever made in his life off the green the 27 foot eagle I've never been so tilted Bryson just tilting it um but you know it, we had a young pedigreed leaderboard last year with Wolf DeChambeau Morikawa yeah yeah so you know you got some you got some guys in the field this week so it should be good yeah we we do we do have some guys in the field this week that's a great way <laughs> that's a great way to describe to it <laughs> we have some players so to give people an idea of what we're talking about these are the guys who are priced above ten thousand. DJ at 11.5, Kepka at 11.2, Bino 10.9, Fleetwood 10.5, Paul Casey uh, 10.1. I got to say, it's going to be very, very easy for me to make my player pool this week in terms of expensive guys because I will be playing exactly one guy who costs more than 10,000 DraftKings dollars, and that'll be Dustin Johnson, and I will not be playing any of the rest of these dudes. Yeah, and if you took the names off paper, you're like, hey, the, the most expensive guy in this field went 80-80 last week. <laughs> <laughs> I had even forgotten. Yeah. I'd actually forgotten how bad he was. I mean, I don't even really think there's any correlation at all. Like, whatever. You could just have a bad round at that tournament. We saw lots of good golfers have bad rounds at that tournament. I, I'm, not, I'm not really sweating it with DJ, I don't think. I mean – it's hard to he seems to not care when he's in contention so it's hard to imagine that after he you know he opens it up with an 80 right he shows up friday with like any motivation he's like yeah i'm gonna grind i'm gonna grind back this cut like that's not what does i actually remember i think that kind of happened at the at rocket mortgage classic last year where he was like two over on the first day and he came off just like tilting it the next day like uh like guys like xander or whatever they'll make a run for it but not not dj it's not happening 
yeah and yeah so i mean obviously there's not real concerns there because he has the win right before that in his last event at the travelers so uh, not real concerns with dj but it's definitely it says something about the event that like dj with the 8080 is the most expensive guy and then kepka who has n still not managed to put together like a complete event is the the second guy on the board um definitely a lot of decisions to make as far as Overall roster construction, if you do want to pay up for these guys, you're taking a lot of questionable players, but perhaps in the balanced roster builds, you're still kind of taking questionable players this week. Uh, you are you are definitely going to be taking some questionable players if you're if you're rocking eight and nine K guys. I, I will say one uh, one hazard of the strategy of of you know just uh, avoiding Kepka, Finau, Fleetwood, Casey, Bubba, who I think are all massively like not not overpriced, but I just like you know, I just don't really think there's that much of a difference in skill between guys who are, you know, a, a thousand cheaper or whatever, which it's just that, I mean, Finau, Kepka, Fleetwood, Casey, and probably like, I guess that really is the only grouping. Like those guys are the best golfers in this event. It would not surprise me if like three of these guys finish like top 10 or whatever. And that will, that will make um, like the optimal scoring for rosters really interesting if that does end up happening. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think last year, you know, typically what we see in these Birdie Fest events is that you see a lot of the strokes gained from putting, and that wasn't necessarily the case last year. Is it actually over-indexed in strokes gained off the tee and strokes gained approach? So all the key ball striking stats, basically everything that you hear talked about podcasts with like putting's volatile, like those are the guys who popped last year. So I think it'll be interesting from that perspective as well. So do you do you as the more responsible of the two of us? Do you want to do you want to give the people reasons why they should be playing Brooks, why they should be playing Finau, Fleetwood, or Casey? Um, so I mean, I think Casey is a pretty interesting play. Uh, like balanced roster construction, you're dropping down in price. I think you know the same reasons. I mean, you basically are dismissing DJ's performance last week because it was a hard golf tournament, and Paul Casey played great TD Green last week, where he yeah. really ejected was. Well, mainly on one hole, right? Uh, they made but, an eight. Yeah. Uh, so quintuple bogey and the eight on the par three. And it was all around the green. It was all putting. And you're just not going to get those dynamics this week. The rough's a lot shorter. The greens aren't as fast. And so even these like really bad short game guys, which Casey notably is, like those big numbers aren't out there. So I thought Paul Casey's uh, like off the tee game, I thought his approach game was inspiring enough to kind of get back on him um and I, I don't really have a sense this early in the week with whether the like consensus is to pay up or, or not but i guess those would be the the talking points for for casey i think he actually struck the ball better than finau last week uh finau ran really hot with the putter and then you know it's just you know between those two guys i think it's pretty close and i would imagine the field goes a little heavier on finau yeah. Uh, so I, I can just already know we, we do not have projections yet. Not a, not a chance I play Bubba. Um, maybe I'll play some Wolf, but like, do, what, what are you anticipating the roster projection being for Wolf? Like, do you think he's going to be on like 20% of teams or something crazy? No, I think it, my, my guess is it would be fairly low. Um, he made the cut last week, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, I guess he's been playing good enough to grather. I would say generally, I don't think people are at the point where they're just like dumping in the previous winner from the previous year. But I guess Wolf is enough of like a like a fan following. And yeah, he's like a name now. Enough form. So um, I don't know. For me, I think the biggest question mark of the top end guys guy. I'm sure Tommy Fleetwood's going to project well. This will be the first event we've seen him play since the Arnold Palmer. 
he hasn't been playing over in Europe either. So it's not like he was playing and then just came over and did like a quarantine to get back into this. So this will actually be his first event of competitive golf. Fleetwood did take flack from Rory McIlroy as far as like not taking responsibility for his career because he wasn't aggressive enough playing post COVID. And I don't know, it's just, um, he's probably the biggest wild card, I guess, for me of all the guys that seem pretty live to win the event. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just not fleet Fleetwood is, is just like fancy Matt Fitzpatrick to me. Like I just, I, I'm not really playing him, uh, at, uh, these prices. I, uh, I advised or not, I I'm going to be jamming, uh, some $9,400 Lucas Glover. Cause I just, I do, I view him as, as a much better golfer than, than Henley in English for sure. Who are there at, uh, at 9,200 and 9k. Yeah, and I, I think since the restart, Glover has been one of the best players actually in this field as far as just yeah. overall ball striking. Um, just looking kind of at the approach and off the team metrics, um, I think I have him fourth in the field overall and kind of third of any guys who've actually played more than one event. So he's, he's right there behind Paul Casey. I think Glover is not – I mean, he's not the best putter, but I don't think he's a terrible putter either. And so, I mean, definitely Glover at 9,400 I think is a – a solid play for like the more balanced roster builds a little bit tough though if you're going to pay like 11.5 for dj i, I think paying like drop going into the 9k range is pretty tough from that perspective yeah i mean if you're if you're building these by hand but you know i haven't done that since the second clinton administration so so uh <laughs> so no need um uh evr 8800 uh just just uh that's just a jam for me i it wouldn't surprise me if i end up with like 35 or 40 percent of him at that price like i i I, I probably wouldn't bat an eye at like $9,800 EVR in this field, to be honest. Yeah. I think the the guys that jumped out to me right away as uh, potential, potential values, potential ownership sucks, whatever you want to call it. Like guys who, especially we're talking about off the tee and approach really mattering. Doc Redman has to be in that conversation, $8,700 price on DK. And he's gained the second most strokes in the field as far as the strokes and ball striking since the restart. And we now have kind of, you know, six events or so in that data. So it's not just a, a blip on the radar, five events for, for Redmond. So, and Rufus um, touted him. If Rufus touted him, it means he's good. We got to be betting Doc to win this week. Yeah. I mean, it's a weak field too. Like, would it, would it shock you if he's like 25, 30% owned at 8,700 and he wins the event? It, like, really wouldn't. No. It wouldn't at all. It no, feels that'd like be very, that'd be very 2020 for him to be 32% and, and win this event by two strokes. Like I could, uh, I could really see that happening. Yeah for sure and then i guess the other guy i'm less comfortable with but he's been playing almost as good overall is henrik norlander um at 8600 just another one of those guys swedish putting god he's been like clinical t to green um and yeah he's another kind of one of those guys in that mix that i think if you are going to build some lineups that kind of fade the top of the board and you're hoping maybe kepka dj are like unmotivated and um things like that, then you can mix a couple of those guys in there. He's another guy that I think will pop in a lot of the kind of stat models and things like that. Are we going to, are we going to tout noted uh, corn fairy tour winner Luke list at, uh, at this event T10 at the Memorial uh, T21 at the RSM did shoot a 79 uh, last Saturday at, uh, or two Saturdays ago when they played uh, when they played Mirfield village, when it was easier, but uh, Luke list, I mean, he's been uh He's been Luke listing. <laughs> it, I mean, I can't stomach like $8,400 Luke list. That just, that just seems pretty wild to me. Um, he's been playing very well. So I'm not, not no knock against him there, but 
paying $8,400 for Luke Bliss, regardless of the field strength, just seems like uh, probably a poor decision. I already know without without looking at the projections, Ryan Moore, 8,100 is going to be, he's going to be just an absolute jam. It's going to be like your, if you run the naked opto with no adjustments, he's going to be like 60% of lineups or something. <laughs> that was, that was uh, I mean, one of the more frustrating things is like when you look at lineups and you have the value guys right and you'd have like the top guys wrong. And Ryan right. Moore was definitely to start the week last week was on a bunch of those lineups and um it was it was really the first time that he showed up since the restart. I had been playing him at the the low ownership as well, and just getting nothing out of him. And finally, like knocked him back a little bit last week, just in time for him to dial it up. So uh, he was pretty frustrating. Uh, I, w- I would say from that perspective, he seems like he's one of the guys that got like the biggest boost as far as just taking like a a one sample event of what he did, which was really nothing spectacular, and just jacking the price way up. Um, right. So. I don't, I don't love Ryan Moore. I think, man, how many times can I go back to Max Homa for him to miss the cut right on the number? I'm going to do it this week. See, yeah, it seems like, like I don't play Max Homa very often, but this seems like a week where you can play him pretty comfortably. Yeah, 8,000. And, like, he's, he's been, like, 6,900 to 7,100. He's playing – I mean, he's playing well. Like, he's playing decently, and he's just, like, missing the cut on the number basically every week. But the guarantee, you guarantee to get a, a cut sweat if you roster Max Oma. So he's at least got uh, that going for him. Uh, uh, Vegas, 7,900. Again, I already know the, the projections are going to be on that. I will, uh, I will probably let that ride. And then this is where, like, those were, like, we just talked about some guys who, like, you know, are, are decent PGA Tour players, like, have some upside. And uh, the, that's where it ends. Because now we are going into a range of, like, you're going to have to get some of these guys correct, absolutely, to build winning lineups these, this week. And, uh, you know, I just basically do not feel good about anyone from, from this point on. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's fair. Um, probably the – I guess the guy I probably feel best about, I, th- I think you'll be on this guy too. Uh, $7,600 Scott Stallings. He's probably the guy I was like, okay, if I had to drop down below 8K, I'm looking for a guy I think can make the cut with some like upside to score. I feel like Scott Stallings in this type of field seems like a, a solid enough play. Yeah, Stallings, um, Fratelli, Grace, I think is probably, like, I know Grace is like, he's been um, legitimately bad three straight miscuts, cuts, but he just is like, kind of like, it seems like a pedigree guy like it just seems like he's kind of too good for this field like Brennan Grace is priced next to Richie Warinsky like Brennan Grace has like (laughs) contended at majors before yeah yeah I think Norrin and Grace were like the you know if you're just going off name value they were the guys that popped the most um Grace I guess the the one feather in his cap I guess is strokes gained approach at Memorial was uh, like the highest that we've seen out of any of the guys in this field so just in that that one metric he had it at least out last week but that like we haven't really seen too much in the way of like forms of life from grace beyond that <laughs> one one uh, event worth of stroke skin approach data yeah i mean i i just i'm wishing that i felt better about some of these guys like fratelli i always play but he like like so fratelli would have been a guy to play at the memorial right because he's better at He's better at some of those, you know, tougher tracks. It's not going to gain a ton of strokes. Um, putting, you know, doesn't hit. Like, it's not one of these guys who just generates insane amounts of green and regulation. But, like, just, you know, he is a, a good PGA Tour player, so therefore he enters the player pool. Yeah. Yeah, and I would, like, normally I'd say something like that about Charles Howell, too, 7,400. 
Howell's been playing almost like the inverse of himself. Like the guy I think about is super good with the long game and then not very good with the short game. And Howell's basically been gaining all the strokes uh, around the green in putting. So that's like a red flag for him on a guy that I took a chance on a couple times on kind of like name value after the restart, hoping that he had been able to kind of return to form and wasn't really able to put anything together. So um, I guess that's a guy I would say with the red flag there. I think Kyle Stanley kind of fits a little bit of the mold as far as what we're looking for here at 7,300. Yeah, you, you got to play Kyle Stanley this week. Like, just let let the dude, like, because it is. It's just all going to be about, you know, how many darts can you throw? Like, how many times can you put one within six feet and make the putt? Like, that's the name of the game this week, and, like, that's what Kyle Stanley does. Yeah. And then, I mean, I, I kind of feel like we're entering, like, the same the same territory with, like, Grillo as far as, like, the type of event that he can do well at is definitely an easier course by nature. And maybe he can't do well enough to contend for like an outright victory, but 7,100 feels like a guy that could contend for like a top 25 um, because, you know, his approach game, his tee to green game was basically on until the Memorial Memorial is one of those harder golf courses that penalizes Aaron shots a lot more. So he lost a lot of strokes on approach, but, you know, sometimes at the Memorial, that's just like a couple swings and a couple penalty strokes that kind of eject you that way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I can tout my boy, Wyndham Clark, of course, uh, no form, no form to speak of for Wyndham, but he's going to be in the player pool. Another, another Nordic punt, uh, putting God, uh, Christopher, Christopher Ventura made the, made the cut at the RSM. And that's the only time he's played since the restart. I literally, I literally don't know anything about that guy other than that in data golf stuff like year over year both last year and this year he's been one of the 10 best guys gaining strokes putting so that's that's all i got for for christopher ventura yeah yeah i mean i, I guess like a couple of random names to throw into the mix would be like tom lewis i don't think he'll be rostered by very many people um pretty cheap playing reasonably well coming into this uh I, honestly this is this is gonna be bad man i feel like like a fraud touting this, but, but Hadley has been playing really well since the restart. Hadley, for, bro? For, like most of these guys, a lot of these guys haven't played four events like Hadley has, and he is inside the top 15 in this field as far as overall ball striking. And I guess like longer term track record on Hadley was, was like a solid cut maker type player. Um, and so I don't know. I, I think six nine hundred in this field, uh, I bet he'll pick up some steam, but I think it, it will probably be fair. You, um, you skipped the biggest jam. Denny, Denny McPutts, uh, returning from his, uh, his COVID departure, made the cut at the Memorial. I mean, this dude, this guy is going to make the putts at this event. You can, just, you can just lock in that T34 from Denny McPutts right now. He, he does. McPutts, he rolls it, man. He's got the, the cheat code figured out for sure. It's, so, it's crazy because he does not gain strokes doing anything else. Like this Nothing. dude, he literally just like he hits him to 18 feet and then he makes them like that's what he does. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely absurd. Um, I guess the, uh, I mean, Adam Shank, I feel like I'm surprised I was, I was just not mentioning him because I assumed you were going to come. Yeah. Oh, yeah. These, I mean, this is just my player pool right now. McPutts. Uh, Shank, Tom Hoagie, uh, noted, noted, uh, cocktomizer jam play, Matthias Schwab, gonna probably gonna have to tone him down a little bit this week. Cause he's going to be a jam in the opto, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty dicey down here in general this week. Um, like you said, kind of $7,500 and below it, it, you're probably 
probably not getting too much of a difference in the golfers at 7,500 and the golfers at 7k and the golfers at 6,500. So it's trying I mean, to, yeah, like what, what is the, what is the betting line between Bronson Burgoon and uh, let's just go. Okay. And, and Cameron Tringali, like Tringali's favored by like, he's like minus, minus 120, 120 maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So it's just like, it's, and I, I, so I always kind of struggle with strategy for this of like, well, is it better to just be like, super mega overweight on on you know four or five guys towards the top and then just total random shuffle or do you go kind of the other way and just take like some mega stances on you know just total non-chalk like bad golfers and just be like if i hit this week i'm gonna be super differentiated from everyone else yeah yeah i mean my like I'm probably the wrong person to ask for advice as I bleed away another mortgage payment last week. But uh, <laughs> so my, my uh, process feels shook right now, at least mentally. But I, I think the way I would think about it generally is just you're wanting to set overall contrarian lineups anyways, especially in the large field tournaments. Some of that is to avoid duplicates. And so you're going to get away from a lot of that naturally and let the projections kind of guide you into the right place. Um, it does feel like if if this is a week where someone like below $8,000 is chalk that you could potentially just cross them off. Right. Because I mean, any, yeah, anyone who projects for like 9% down here, just like what, like, like uh, if, um, you know, if Aaron wise or something like someone's going to project for 15%, right. uh, It would have been co-crack, right. Yeah. I would have eaten that chalk so hard. I probably got, I probably got saved. I would have been like, Oh, the, 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 the public wants to, you know, roster these guys at, you know, 15%, like, okay, I will go, I'll go 30. So I would, I would consider that with like the value guys this week. I probably, cause I don't see, I don't see a way that someone is like so clearly mispriced down there that they have to be rostered. Um, I probably wouldn't just like outright stone fade, like the guys who are live to win with like the top 10, top 15% win equity because of how just weak the field is in general. Uh, no, I don't know. Like, I can't, I can't be playing Brooks. I can't be playing Paul Casey. Like, I just, Paul Casey's not winning this tournament. And if he does whatever, like, I'll, I'll live to see another day. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, um, even if Paul Casey doesn't win the tournament though, it could still be the type of thing where it's, it's like good enough. Right. We're, we're yeah, T4 or whatever. We're in this like weird thing where like legit golfers have won every single week. So I think in our head, yeah. it's like a top 10 player has to win this week, but we had like random guys close to the leaderboard in, in all of them, all of them. I mean, one, like, I mean, Rom played amazing. He deserved to win the event, but like one bad Rom round and Ryan Palmer is winning that tournament at like zero or, or, or like uh, or Patrick or, yeah. or a penalty or something from, from like, so Rom gets that penalty and Rom played that really good round. But if Rom had just played it even par and then got that penalty, like, yeah, things are different. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the narrative is like, obviously created around who wins the event that ends up mattering the most for betting it ends up mattering the most for fantasy but um you had kind of random guys that were live for each of these events and there's a reason guys are 101 like they're not supposed to come through every week so um yeah like anyways going back to paul casey i don't think he has to win to hit like an optimal lineup this week because he could be the second you know second best player. well yeah and if if uh you know if uh bo hostler wins like it's your lineup could be so weird like if one of these random guys wins this event like like i could actually see this being like a you don't have like 
someone wins the Millie maker, like someone wins the Millie maker without having the winner in their lineup or something like that's like, that's certainly more of a possibility in a field like this than it would have been last week for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that sentiment too. Um, all right. Let's, I'm trying to see if there's anyone else down here that I want to make sure it's on the record that, uh, that I touted. I don't, I mean, maybe, maybe, uh, Tim Wilkinson, he, he makes the cut at the workday charity open. Uh, he might be a guy who creeps into the player pool. Yeah. Um, That's all I got. So last last week we put together the pinata picks special. It was uh, it was an interesting lineup. We we took DJ, so we got an eighty and eighty out of him. It was a bit unfortunate. We got <laughs> we got the miscut out of Webb Simpson as well on the pinata picks. So that was also unfortunate, along with the miscut from JT Poston. So we only got three of six guys through the cut. That's the why they're the pinata position. picks. But we had Patrick Reed, we had Harris English, those were decent values, and then Adam Hadwin was the other guy who's played really well until Sunday, and I mean, I just, it's almost like you just want to junk the Sunday data because of how crazy the weather was, but uh, this week, yeah. pinata picks, top of the board, first pinata pick, feels overpriced, feels like you're chasing last week a little bit, but Tony Finau was the, is our top, top spend this week. I mean, I like I like Vino. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't like Vino at this price, but I like him as a golfer well enough. Yeah. So the next two guys actually had to drop to the 8K range because of the pricing structure with Vino and the lack of available value this week. So the next two guys in the 8K range that are on this team are actually guys I would I would build the first three guys in this roster myself and. Max Homa and Doc Redman were the next two random guys. Wow, well, pretty chalky to start here with uh, with Redman and Homa. Redman, yeah. everyone's going to tout Redman this week. Redman oh, is going to yeah. be like, yeah. Like if Redman misses the cut, you're going to see everyone who you didn't know they played PGA DFS, but like they play like three lineups a week. Like they're going to be tilting Redman if he misses the cut. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have baseball back Thursday. So at least people will be able to like tilt fire on something. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, first two value guys on the team. I don't feel really good about either of these guys, which maybe makes it a good place for this tournament. I think you'll like one of them, uh, Tom Hoagie and Charlie Hoffman. The legend, Hollywood Hoagie. Yeah. yeah. Do you think you'll play Hoagie this week? I'm sure I will. I, just, I, don't, know, I don't know why I'd stop now. Because here's the thing about gambling. If you just keep doubling down, eventually you get back to even. That's how it works. <laughs> I'm putting that theory to a test right now, Davis. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's just that's that's a noted gambling theory, and it's going to pay off for us with Hoagie here. Uh, and then Scott Scott Stallings was the last guy on the roster, so I I think this is a okay lineup, pretty, pretty rational team. Yeah, like four guys I would have considered in two pinata picks that are kind of off my radar, but we got this one in the million maker. Last one didn't cash, but hopefully we can uh, get back to even this week. So. I there's one other thing I want to talk about before we talk about the betting markets, which is I am thinking about maybe just like making my max salary this week, like really low when I go to run my MME set, like, like 49.5 or something like just to get super weird teams and like just exclusively have like non duped, uh, really bad rosters basically. Yeah. Um, so I think the, Overall, like as far as creating dupes, I don't think you have to go that aggressive to do it. I think we've talked about some different strategies in the past. If your goal is just to avoid dupes, then I think sometimes that's not necessary. I guess the one right. place it is sort of interesting is there is like natural like ownership correlation between guys at different price exactly. points. So you're never going to get 
those guys together the way everyone else like like for example um let's say that like maybe paul casey and max homa have a really good roster correlation just because of the way optimizers work where it's like okay that's one value at this price point this one value there and then if you like let's say even making the the maximum salary 49.7 which is like you're still getting good golfers but you are like it just it's going to kind of put you in a different range of overall lineups yeah yeah i think like 49.7 is almost not aggressive enough because that's probably just going to clip like a couple players here and there a bit but right i, I think so I you're think saying you're saying i should go more all in <laughs> like 49k yeah <laughs> no, i don't think it's a i don't think it's a i don't think it's a great strategy but i was trying to figure out if there's like interesting wrinkles and i do think maybe you get like three punts on the same lineup that you just typically wouldn't have happen if you were going with a, I mean, that that's gotta be the edge or not the edge, but that's gotta be the theory behind why it would even matter this week specifically is just like optimizers with full salary or even like 49.8 are not going to put Bo Hostler, Harry Higgs and Danny Lee all in the same lineup. Whereas if you, subtracted $500 from the amount of salary for every lineup you're building, that might be a more natural thing to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. I think, I mean, yeah. I think that's where it would, would come through. I don't know. Um, well, we'll see. I'm still thinking about it, but I just like, I, I'm pretty resigned to the fact that like, I'm not going to have a great um, strategy. Like I'm not going to, I don't have like some like player projection uh, edge on the field this week. Like I just, I just don't feel that way. So thinking about other ways to, would, to get there. Yeah, I mean, I would think that the way that the projection work, you maybe have more of a mathematical edge opposed to people chasing stuff in a field like this, where for the most part, we've seen like what I would consider fairly efficient ownership and stuff is smoothed out in the right price points and the the right guys are ending up sort of at the top of the field. Um, and maybe that's less likely to happen this week because people can cling to like one or two narratives to drive decisions because they're not really comfortable with the names elsewhere. So maybe like the guys who are like 15% to T20, if they're, those guys are like 5% owned on an average week, maybe this week they're like 2% because they're random names. Um, I guess that would be the only thing I would, I guess, counter on that. But yeah, it's definitely, it doesn't feel like a great week when you're putting things together. That's for sure. All right, let's uh, let's get into the betting markets. A couple of the plus EV wagers from Data Golf that I that I like. Uh, one of them is Adam Shank, uh, of course, our boy Um Matthias Schwab as well, and uh, our our boy uh, Bryce Garnett. I, I think all those guys are all uh, decent, like longer ish shots that you can that you can bet on. Yeah. So as a as a man who's been known to go- bet golfers who are like six and a half to one are, are you interested at all no. on the top of the board no uh-uh good just not not one of these guys now now if rory was at this event right and rory was 10 to one or whatever then yeah or if bryson was was 10 to one um yeah i think i would be i i i don't even think i know i i know that, that i literally did this what three weeks ago when bryson won where i bet him at six to one in that event yeah i, I would but dj just is not to me that caliber of player yeah yeah I, I thought at the top I thought like Paul Casey was I know you're not a big fan of Paul Casey but I think he's been playing well um, I mean 25 to 1 on Paul Casey is not a bad bet by any stretch it's just not one I'm making yeah so so that was one of the guys uh, I felt like was kind of fair um, like some of the other stuff I mean it, it, it feels like 
some of the other stuff like Max Homa at like 70 or 80 to one, it, it feels okay. But That's that where it gets weird to fringy, me. It's like, like it feels like a decent price in this field, but the fact that he's like not been able to make cuts in any of these events isn't super optimistic. And um, I'm definitely not like keen on like Ryan Moore or something like that, that I know pops a bunch of the models. I listened to the podcast you mentioned with uh, Rufus Peabody bet the process. They had on another guest who does a lot of, golf betting stuff and fantasy golf stuff as well Saramek and it was really interesting listening I know it sounded like Rufus's model has been high on Ryan Moore too which I guess like backs up the data golf work but at 60 to 1 um not super appealing to me despite the fact that I might I might bet Ryan Moore at 60 to 1 I already had one I already had my one bet for this tournament refunded because I bet Jason Kokrak and like I mean seriously like 35 seconds later uh the the Rob Bolton tweet that he withdrew (laughs) came out which is uh that's uh but I also that's like the that's like the most payout I've gotten for a golf outright bet the last two weeks so (laughs) you love to see it yeah Uh, I I think yeah well like what some of the hard mental hurdles are just uh, should you still be valuing anything from like before the restart as far as how you're evaluating golfers? Because I kind of think no, right? Cause it just seems like it's a whole brand new world. Like these guys, just some guys practice clearly, like some guys found a game during that three month stretch. And some of these dudes, I don't know what they were doing, you know, not golfing clearly. Yeah. I mean, I kind of feel like that, like mentally, I feel like that too. Um, which if you were going to go down that route, I feel like you'd definitely be at least somewhat interested in backing Doc Redman. At like Norlander. Norlander. You'd have him kind of on your list as potentials. Glover feels like he would have been, except he got like a price jump. because he did Yeah, it's like, do I want to bet year. Glover at 33 to 1? Uh, not that interested in that. Yeah, exactly. So he feels like he got like the, the price tick or whatever. Um, but those were two of the other guys, I guess, that if you wanted to – take on some risk maybe like maybe you're completely wrong and the long-term data still matters quite a bit but at least in like an outright um market you have some some sub- substantial upside if you're right on that one um, this is probably a very good week to bet t20s would be my my guess is that betting t20s on dudes you like lower down in the market so like you know if you really like mcputz you really like bronson burgoon you really like warinsky or armor or whatever like just bet bet t20s instead yeah yeah and i mean I can't remember back to last year as far as like what the prices of these guys um, coming into the event were. I, I imagine that like Wolf and Morikawa were, were reasonably popular just because Wolf they- was Wolf was fifty, I think. Now that I someone listening to this, if I'm wrong, please let me know. I, I, Bryson was like either twenty or twenty five to one. Yeah, and you, but you did have some like these randos towards the top of the leaderboard, like Art Ortiz, Wyndham Clark, Troy Merritt, Joey Garber, Sam Burns. So, I mean, they were all within like four strokes of the lead, which um, at least puts them in the range of outcomes. And a, a bunch of those guys, my my gut says that they were like one hundred fifty to one or greater. So, uh, like, it wouldn't be surprising to see a, a couple guys that are super deep down the board in contention come Sunday. Um. All right. So one and done. I, I mean, I think if you are contending, I think you take DJ. If you are wanting to take some shots, I, I like I like Glover and I like EVR actually. If you're just you know playing to play still or whatever, like you're not really you're not really drawing live. I, I'll probably take EVR. I think. Yeah, uh, I think that makes sense. I I would I would probably take Paul Casey as like the. I mean, you're still 
DJ, you would still consider at one of these other top end events, I guess. Uh, whereas Casey, I'd, if you haven't used him yet, I'm not sure he's going to make your card like the rest of the way. Um, so I guess Casey would be one of the guys I think through there. Um, yeah. Yeah. That seems, that seems about right. Do we have, do we have anything else we want to tout? No, I mean, I think um, trying to figure out, I'm trying to figure out contest selection. So do I try to build like one lineup that I consider optimal or do I like take that lineup and just like anchor in on the, the Pensac winning 100k really has you shook. <laughs> Pensac, <laughs> it's just my money going right to Pensac. <laughs> Yeah. All right, no, everyone. I, I, this field this week, I think, like spraying out with the values seems like uh, the way I'm thinking. Which yeah, I, I would, would be a bigger stand up top. Yeah, I'm team. I'm team spray this week as opposed to to uh, team single entry three max for for sure. Um, all right, everyone. There we go. Thank you very much for listening to the Daily Roto Going for the Green podcast. We will be back next week, hopefully after a uh, a Doc Redman 33 percent chalk winner. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.